going to be doing and talking about this Sunday is kind of just recapping last year, kind of like how it went uh, for us uh, as a church. It kind of stinks that like we get to like recap and then almost sort of you know vision cast for next year on a really snowy day when a lot of people can't get out. But that's okay. They can listen online. And some of it uh, will get repeated next week too. So overflow is the title of the message. Because what I'm hoping and what I'm praying, and I've got to tell you this, for the past like month, just in quiet prayer times with God, my focus, just like the, the wording and, and the phrases, has, just have, has, has had to do with overflow. So it says in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is like living waters that comes out and overflows. And so what my prayer is, is for us, is for this church to just overflow and ooze out of this place and just infiltrate and infect everything around us. And I think there's some practical things that we could do individually and as a church that will help position us to be able to do that. Because it's true that God certainly is God. He can do whatever He wants whenever He wants. The other side of the coin is that when we make wise choices and when we act biblically and we're trying to really truly live out as Jesus' disciples, it releases and opens doors and places maybe that we have, would never be able to walk in before. Because God certainly has a desire, has will, and has a plan. But sometimes we might not ever get there until we fully release and surrender to what God has. And so far, as, as a church, I'm looking to be like in the position where, man, where can we be, where can we get to where the floodgates are open, to where our hands are wide out, and we say, whatever, Lord, what do you want to do? Let's at least be in that position to hear it and just be a nice channel and conduit where He just works and flows right through us. Where like it doesn't get hung up in um, you know, personal opinions and um, really minor matters that just don't really matter, you know, that are just not that important. Let's not get hung up in that stuff. Like let's just be a conduit and go right through. And that's one of the advantages that we have to being a smaller, newer church is that we don't have um, a lot of maybe other traditions and maybe deep-rooted issues that might be there that might be difficult for us to do that. So we can kind of like just go for it. Um, I read a, a quote this past week. It said that uh, somebody uh, once said, he said, uh, I made six resolutions uh, last year and I kept all of them. He said, they're in an envelope on top of my file cabinet. You know? So, like in many ways, like the whole resolution thing, I don't know, I, don't, I personally don't really do them. Um, I, I'm just always like striving, you know, to do better in different areas, whether it be dieting, you know, exercise, you know, um, feeling like I'm growing and getting closer to the Lord and taking risks for Him and going to new places. You know, these are focuses I try and do. I don't necessarily say this one thing for this year. I don't know, it doesn't really come up that way for me. Um, and as a church, we're not really going to have really a resolution, but we're going to have really a goal. I don't know, resolution seems heavy. You know what I mean? It just like, seems heavy. But I think a goal is like maybe more practical and it's a direction where we're headed. So this past year, let me fill you in on this past year as far as uh, this church goes. And again, it stinks that not everybody could be here and hear it, but hopefully they'll, they'll listen later. Because it's kind of cool to hear about like what God's been doing and what's been going on. So we moved into this place in February, February 19th. It's pretty amazing. We don't even have a full year in here yet. 
And that was after, like, um, just about three months off from the Elks Lodge. And just about all the same people came back, you know, and stayed faithful. And some people, you know, had to move and family things happened, and that's okay. Um, but we just got in here in February. This has worked out great. The people that we rent from are, um, have been really good. Um, also within that time, Linda stepped up and became our Calvary Kids Director. So she handles like all of the kids related Sunday school stuff and coordinating who teaches and what they're teaching. And that's a big time role. That's tough. And we go from ages, you know, 2 or 3 to, uh, you know, 11 or 12. That can be, that's difficult. At least when I'm teaching in a classroom, they're all the same age, you know. I mean, she's got a tough job there. Um, We actually, once a church that supports us, three churches support us, and basically... That just about pays for our rent for the year. Um, but one of the churches uh, has stepped up and actually increased uh, how much they're going to support us. So that's kind of nice. So we could actually maybe even save a little bit of money. You know, be in a position like, you know, to help and then to, and to bless. Um, tithing has also increased, which is also a good thing too. Because again, we want to be put in a position like where we can bless, you know, others. And be that conduit for God to work. Um... People have stepped up, and I've talked to people and heard stories of people have stepped up into Christ and into new roles that were scary and risky that maybe they never have before. To me, that's exciting. So, like being like you know a pastor and seeing that and hearing that, I'm like, they're taking it seriously. They're going for it. Like that's exciting. That's healthy. People have been talking and sharing with me how they're trying to meet addictions head on in the name of Christ. That takes some courage. People are doing it. Uh, we formed a men's group Saturday morning, which has been going really well, really well. Um, there's just, uh, you know, a lot of men out there that are just dropping the ball, you know, that are just weak, that are complacent, that are, you know, definitely at least anemic spiritually, if it's even there. You know, and this group of guys, you know, it's coming together on Saturdays. Some good stuff is happening there. Operation Head Start. That was great. That went really well. I'm looking forward to, like I said, maybe next year we can adopt that whole school, 130 kids. So God's got to grow us for us to be able to do that. So God, get on it. Um, we did the harvest party, which was very awesome. We did downstairs with the kids where we got all dressed up. They heard a little Jesus story. He gave out some bags, some informational stuff. We did Summer Sunday Fun Day. Um, and we had some good news at the end of the year uh, where some people were really hoping for some cancer-free reports, and they got it. So, it's pretty awesome. And the way I'm looking at it is we are like, just like scratching on the surface, right? Just, just scratching the surface. And I'm okay with that, you know? To form a foundation, if you've ever seen a foundation being built or been a part of the process, take some time to dig it all out, to get the forms in there, to get the cement in there, to get it, let it settle. And if you rush that process, it really screws things up. So God is forming a foundation. And the way I'm looking at church and the way I read it through the Bible is I don't see it as like we're just supposed to be like a presence in the community. I see it as we should be like a power within the community. I don't think we should really just take up space. I think that we should be transformational. I don't really think that we should be just a kind of Christian club. I think we should be like conquerors. Like, I believe that's like, 
that's what we're called to do. That's what God wants to do through us. That's what he wants to do through his church. It's his bride. That's what he wants to do. And he uses the church to bring his kingdom, heavenly kingdom, on earth. That's the deal. That's what he's looking to do. And only a few churches, um, you know, I want to say, everything wide open, God, let's do it. No matter how weird or ugly or uncomfortable it might get, like, let's do this. And that's what I believe that we're supposed to be called to do. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul is talking and he says, The kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. That's what he says. That verse has been on my heart, I would say for, I don't know, probably eight months of last year. Just continuously running through my head. The kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk, but of power. And I'm like, man, if we turn into like, you know, a church and at some point where it's just where there's just like a lot of talking going on and not really a lot of power going out and lives being transformed, you know, marriages being pieced back together, people getting delivered, you know, people even being healed. Like these are things I'm expecting and looking for. That that's my perspective. If it comes a matter of talk, I think we're in trouble. So that's why I say not to just be a presence, but to be powerful. Now, the other thing is because we're kind of smaller and getting started, everybody's really busy. A lot of people carry a lot of the load. So there's like a lot of work involved. And so one thing we have to like guard against is being so busy, accomplishing what we have to do, um, and maybe missing God's voice what he might be trying to say. Because we have to guard against that too. In our own individual lives, we can get very busy, you know, with work, with family, with friends. And we could certainly... At times, let that drown out maybe what God is trying to guide and what He's trying to do. And so I want to make sure we do that as a church as well. So basically, what I'm trying to do, uh, or I feel like God is just bringing us, is I want to make sure we make our impact, and we also have that focus on God's voice. So I want to make sure we keep our impact, that God wants to do whatever He wants to do through us. We're going to figure that out. That's, uh, That's the adventuresome part. Whatever He wants to do through us, the impact. But then I also want to make sure that, like, we're also hearing his voice, too. Not just busy, 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 always working. So, we're going to take two significant steps towards that in 2013 as a church. I figure there's two things that we could do. And the two things that I think that we can do towards on focusing on that movement of God and His Spirit is fasting and prayer. Two, two areas that I really feel like... If there's a one-two punch in the Bible that just opens doors and just does things beyond what people are capable of, it's when fasting and prayer are done together. And if you spend any time in the Bible, you'll realize that. Um, So in Matthew 6, the reason why I had to turn there is we've already read this before. I think back during the summertime. But if you take a look in Matthew chapter 6, you might even have subheadings in your Bible. It says giving to the needy, right? It says giving, being generous, you know, with your finances, right? Uh, it says prayer. It says fasting. First three things. That's like the trio that is just powerful. And Jesus talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's powerful because once our hearts are in the right place with money, and we have a focus on prayer and fasting in our lives... God is really able to do some amazing things. And I feel like as a church, uh, we need to take some real steps towards the fasting and the prayer 
And I believe like the money and the evangelism and the outreach and the other things that we could do will just fall right in line. Because honestly, there's a ton of things we could do. So I sat down and wrote a little bit of a list of things that I had just envisioned and just ideas to just throw around. So what could we do like to outreach, to evangelize? You know, we have things like the harvest party, Sunday fun days. You know, we could do like block party type things. We could do prayer tents at the Noggy football games. We could evangelize, have evangelism teams, you know, on the town green and go downtown. We could have dinners uh, for the homeless or people that are struggling. Have some dinners here. We could do three-on-three tournaments. Yeah, sports. We could do three-on-three tournaments, right, at the high school. Give like a salvation message, you know, in between. I know people love to come out and do that. We could do coffee house type night. You know, have a Christian band, you know, maybe just come down, play. You know, it's low-key. Maybe they can share their testimony a little bit. But just have people come in, you know, draw them in. Men's retreats. Like, we're just the men of our church. Like, you know, we just go away. We just have a retreat. We get away for a while. Women's retreats. You know, they just go away for a while. We could adopt a piece of property in town. We could be continuous with our nursing home visits. Remember, we did that before during the summer. We could sponsor a school. We could have all different types of clubs. they got a skate park here in town. We could do an outreach to those kids at the skate park, you know, come see them, bring some food down there, get some music going for them, you know, get to know them, you know, interact. Get some Dave Ramsey classes going here so we can, like, you know, work on trying to handle our finances and do things the right way. Like, there are options. There are things to do. And one way to go about that stuff is just be like, okay, let's try this. You know, and let's try this. And, like, let's try this. But I firmly believe that like God has a direction and He has a plan and, and there's areas He wants us to go and there's other areas that might be good that maybe we shouldn't spend time and energy in. And I believe prayer and fasting will help guide our path and show us where to go and show us what to do. There is, um, believe it or not, this is a true story. This guy... John uh, Pillsbury. And there's a lot of stories and illustrations about prayer and fasting, but I thought this one was pretty interesting. And I even double-checked it. Like, I even looked on Wikipedia. I was like, is that really true? Did that really happen? You know, in America? And it did. And so there's this guy, uh, John Pillsbury. Uh, He's a mayor of a town. I don't remember if he was mayor or governor, so I'm not trying to lie to you. But I think he was mayor. In the summer of 1876, it says, uh, grasshoppers nearly destroyed the crops in Minnesota. So, so in the spring of 1877, farmers were worried. So they believed that the plague would once again visit them and destroy all their wheat crop. You know, bring ruin to thousands of people. So the situation was so serious. Oh, here we go. Governor, right? I lied. Governor John Pillsbury proclaimed that April 26 be a day of prayer and fasting. He proclaimed it. Like, so the governor said, hey, listen, this day, prayer and fasting because you know, we could lose a ton of crops, a ton of food. So he urged every man, woman, and child to ask God to prevent this terrible plague. Well, not really plague, but they have scourge here. It says, on that April, schools, shops, stores, offices were closed. And it says there was a reverent quiet hush over the state. And it says the next day, the temperature soared to what it would be in midsummer. And it says that the Minnesotans were devastated as they found out that billions of grasshopper larvae started to wiggle to life. So I guess that was all a waste, huh? For three days, the unusual heat persisted. The larvae hatched. It appeared that it wouldn't be long before they started feeding and destroying the wheat crop. On the fourth day, midsummer, 
However, the temperature suddenly dropped and the night frost in the summer covered the entire state. It killed all those creeping, crawling pests as if uh, poison or fire had been used. And it went down in the history of Minnesota that God answered the prayers of people. I thought that was awesome. Like, to have an American in 1876, you know? Minnesota. I was like, that's not true. So I go on Wikipedia, did this really happen? Because, you know, they're not going to be Christian biased on that. If anything, they'll minimize it. It was on there. So it's pretty awesome. So just a little story. And there's tons of stories of prayer and fasting combined to just unleash and release what God wants to do. And I want to do that as a church. I want to put us in that position. Moses did it. Moses did it twice for 40 days. I can't imagine. David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Jesus, Paul, Barnabas, all these guys. It was just a regular part of life. This is what they did. Oh, I'm a Christian? I'm a disciple? Yeah, I, I, I fast. You know, I pray. It was just a regular part of their life. And I think that for a lot of us, it's like maybe not that regular. And we want to help to try and make it a part. So, first question. Why fasting? Why fasting? Well, the idea to fasting is that we're taking food away from our stomachs, taking food away from us, and we're looking to look to God, really, to fill us up. In Matthew 6.16, you're already there. In Matthew 6.16, if you take a look, Jesus is talking about fasting. Look at, when He's talking about fasting, look at the way He starts it. He says, when you fast. Everybody say, when. 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 It's like expected and assumed. It's not just like, you know, if you're going to do it, or if you really feel like doing it, or if it's convenient for you. It's when you do it. When. It's already happening. It's already expecting it. So I feel like we have to even just like get to that point where we can say when and have that conversation and not have that like be weird when somebody's oh when you fast you know I was giving that look like I don't think I ever have so we want to incorporate that sir I knew you got there this fasting sir here's what I'm talking about realistically and practically for us for the body sake we can do Moses and we can do Fasting. So fasting. 
So I 
Jesus, most of Jesus' prayer times, it's corporately 
takes place after that at the same level. So then I'm thinking like, oh my gosh. So then I say, see, our, our little church, you know, let's just start in you know, a collab figure. That's not really emphasized by the You know, and, and I have not done that. And so I feel like we need to put ourselves in a place where corporate prayer and piano work are at the same spot. Because when we're unified together and we're poor, like it says in Acts, unified together and we're poor, pray together. It does things that will always happen when we're praying individually. It takes it to a whole new level, a whole new dynamic. And that's sort of like a back burner item that's not really good and healthy for us because, again, we want to open the floodgates to overflow. So, what we're going to do is every Wednesday night, starting, uh, did I write the date down? I think the 9th or the 8th, I forget which one it is, in January. Church will be open for prayer meetings. So I'll be every Wednesday night because we're going to pray at the same level. And that's the time for us to come together corporately and pray together. And that would consist of whatever amount of people show up. And it consists of us praying together, you know, out loud. Sometimes we'll be here, sometimes not. Sometimes kneeling, sometimes not. Sometimes there's a scripture here and there. But the overall focus will be prayer time.
Thank you. 